Welcome to Soul Talk. Join us for another in-depth discussion regarding all things seen and unseen in this world and those beyond. Together, we explore topics that expand the heart and open the mind of all those willing to be activated. And now, your host, Eugene Gantz. Blessings, everyone. Blessings. How are you? Soul Man here. Follow me on IG, S-O-L-M-A-N, Facebook, E-U-G-E-N-I-U-S dot S-O-L, Eugenius dot soul, and all that good stuff. Blessings, how are you? Let's get into it. This is a talk about the power of ritual and what it's for. Now, I, when, you, when you think ritual, you're probably thinking somebody's... Got a goat by the neck. <laughs> Something's getting ready to go down. You know, whoa, a little a little deep. However, if you understand what rituals are and how they make up your day and your life and their importance and their psychological, emotional, uh, physical effect on you, then you uh, begin to, to tap into why it's very important to establish these rituals, these habits. Um... But more so, a habit is is more almost unconscious. It's a conscious unconscious, and a ritual would be the same way to a certain extent. But I mean, what what is ritual? Let's just talk about what it is. It's an act that's done either religiously or solemnly, right? So that religious act could be the sacrament. You know, you take your um, your mass if you're Catholic or for growing up as a Baptist for my time with my mom who introduced me uh, to the church um, it was the communion right I think it's the same for Catholics and Christians Um, you know the Hajj for the Muslims Um, in the Hindis those that practice that tradition would be your pilgrimage to whatever temple in India and so forth and so on if you are Jewish, then you know you 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 eat certain things. You don't eat things that aren't kosher. Um, you have your seder's, you have your Hanukkahs, you have these rituals, and they're religious. However, when you go to take a dump, <laughs> say you go to take a dump, you know you light your incense, you grab your paper, you have a seat, you're in communion with your porcelain <laughs> altar. You know, or every summer, you, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever, you guys go to Sweden and do your thing there. Or every Saturday afternoon, you walk down to the lake and feed the ducks. You know, or, (laughs) you know, every Thursday at lunch, you go to the pizza place you buy the same slice of pizza, you say hi to the same person, you get that same drink, you like to sit in the same general area. You have a ritual that you do on that day, on these days. So it doesn't necessarily have to be um, religious, but done in a sacred way, done with full intention. This ritual then infuses your actions with your spiritual energy, with your conscious so making love should be a ritual 
playing with our children and our family should be a ritual. How we move outside in our world and greet people should be a ritual. Should be, right? Interesting. Can be. At the end of the day, though, we have these rituals, and they can be negative or positive. Those done consciously, if you consciously, let's say, need to control or manipulate someone to feel safe. So you punish them and reward them in ways that build dependency and foster insecurity and a dependence on your approval. That's a ritual you have in your relationships that you do work with. Or let's say it's the opposite. You choose to be in a relationship where someone is a bit more domineering. You feel, let's say if you're a woman, you feel like, oh, he's a man because I don't have to think. He'll just tell me what to do. And that's manly. I don't have to worry about needing to be in control. And yet that that control that you've given away, in a, in a sense, uh, is a way that that person can act out their need to control and abuse. Uh, if it's at that extreme, not that it always is, but it's a ritual that you've come into where you surrender, you transfer your power, you know, like you, you have a ritual, you do. And it's important to recognize it, and it's important that it be done in a way that's not too harsh, that's not making someone wrong or guilty, just ob- observe, it's an observation so that you can establish a different ritual and shift the energy around it. But why have they been so prevalent, you know, throughout history, let's say, uh, where tribes of people would hold ceremonies around full moons, around new moons, around the solstices and the equinoxes, um, around the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun, right? Around all these different things. They've allowed for us as a species to deal with the intangible aspect of ourselves, to somehow come in contact with that life force, that intelligence, that divine intelligence that we can feel around us, within us, moving through all of nature, and somehow communicate to it, somehow allow for ourselves to fall into a deeper sense of alignment and resonance with this force. Call it God, call it source, call it the Great Mother, the Great Father, the Great Spirit, you know, like whatever you want to do, you know, it's there is usually rituals that are attached to our communion with what we cannot see because on some level we feel ourselves as intangible beings that are occupying the space of the body and bone and we know that through a cycle of repetitive offerings in an intentional and sacred way that we somehow find ourselves in deep communion with this force with this presence and this essence So we pass those traditions of ritual on to our children and through our friends and family so that they too can partake of it and have a context to the parts of themselves, again, the parts of themselves that you can't touch, that still need attention, that still ache, you know, and squeak when they're not oiled. So humanity throughout history has had its rituals, some of them extremely violent, some of them very animalistic based on our evolution and our viewpoints and how the culture of itself has um, the culture itself has has progressed but nonetheless it's there so it's a part of the group human psyche so 
we have to really embrace these aspects, these tools that allow for us to maneuver through our day-to-day lives because it's influencing things that we can see and also the things that we can't see. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the, the seen without the unseen. And you can't have the unseen and not have it manifest something that's tangible to the eyes and to the senses. They go hand in hand. And if we're here to really be involved in life, to be to be a conscious participant in the ebbing and flowing of these currents, then we have to establish a direct contact. And it's done, again, through a set of sacred and intentional rites or steps that bring us a little closer to that non-tangible aspect of ourselves and of reality. And ultimately what the medicine woman, the shaman, the witch doctors, you know, the you know, these characters that pop up in stories in real life in regards to tribes, in regards to societies, communities, whatever you want to call them, that come together, the tarot lady, right? <laughs> the, you go to the to the city, you always find a store with the little eye, <clears throat> excuse me, and the hand on the door lit up in neon because We'd like to get a reading. We're still seeking these unseen answers that we are sometimes chasing or um, or sometimes chasing us most of the time, usually. Um, and we, we need some type of modality that gives us access, that helps us feel like we're just not lost in the dark. So it's, in, it's important. It's important because we, we come in contact with this essence that's both subjective and objective you know and it's 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 an aspect of how this this power and this presence works the subjective part is really what we're we're working on contacting right we can't see it it's itself unindifferent unindifferentinated unindifferentinated it's always hard i know the word but it's like yeah it's 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 still a whole. It's still a singularity. You know, it hasn't and it hasn't become objective. It hasn't been projected into a physical form, a denser form of, of vibration. It's a subjective, unformed consciousness. And we wanna we wanna like we wanna communicate. We want to bring ourselves into alignment with that so that we can feel a greater power than just what we've been given in this world and called uh, and called power, right? We, we call money power, we call sexuality power, we call physical strength power, we call, you know, guns and violence and the control of that force power. There's different ways in which um, in our world commonly we we talk about what power looks like. But at the end of the day, when you are on your last breath, when someone you love is going through intense pain that you can't change, then we are looking to come into contact with something, with the power that we really, really feel and are afraid to talk about, are afraid to name, because then we'll look crazy or we'll be toted as, you know, a religious freak or 
or someone that's just not in touch with reality because this is the way it is. Someone has this, they're going to die, right? Or someone's going through this, there's no way to change that. It's not true. There's been too many documented, undocumented cases where this so-called miracle happens where things shift. Whether it be instantaneous healing or the abrupt shifting of obstacles, dropping of barriers to that which we seek. So the ritual gives us a objective way of contacting the subjective. It gives us a physical form of movement, of sound, of senses that allow for us to access that that unseen part of ourselves. And personally, I feel that's what the science of yoga, meditation, um, and you know all the things that are wrapped up in that, they give us the tools to do. They give us the tools to have a subjective conversation through objective means and carry that vibration, carry that essence, carry that presence with us throughout what we do, throughout our, our working. Right, And we're doing this for a lot of different reasons. Most of the time, it's like the, the saying goes, you only talk to God, you only pray, you only meditate, you only do yoga when something's wrong. Things are going right, man, you're good. You're so-called happy. You're content. Things are going the way you feel they should go. <laughs> right? So, what's the worry? Well, we're looking to not only expand our our time with the source, with spirit, with God, with the mother, father, with whatever it is you're calling a higher and greater power if you are at all. We're looking to have more time in that space as that space to be more specific even. So why? To have a deeper understanding. But what about this new time and space we're occupying 2019 at the time I'm recording this in January what's so different about this life that so many more people are now dipping their toes into the pool of spirituality of yoga of meditation of mindfulness because I feel like the objective reality that we're surrounded by hasn't given the soul enough evidence that it's real and that it's it's satisfying the purpose that we are pushing towards our purpose our reason for being here our reasons for embodying ourselves as flesh on the earth to being a mother or a father to being a lover to being an employee or a boss to being a friend or a foe like we're looking for this purpose so that it can be fulfilled because what we've been in indoctrinated with in regards to what's real what gives us purpose what gives us value what what should provide a substantial amount of happiness for us is not working I'm not and I'm not I don't I'm not the, the yogi guy that demonizes the material I'm not I love making money I love selling I love buying you know I, I, I love that process of exchange I love to see in this particular form um, me saying yes to my worth so that I can continue to do what I do um, and, and serve how I serve 
And I think that it's a natural expression of spirit abundance in whatever form it may come, whatever currency is provided by this physical world in order to move about in it and have some volition, some movement. So I'm, I'm not, not, I don't knock wealth at all. Wealth in itself is a negative. It's the mindset which acquires and controls it that may be off. It's the idea that's projected around having it and what people that don't have it, what they, what they mean to us as uh, fellow humans, right? Their worth in our eyes. And there's always a skewed vision if during the process of acquiring said wealth or things or once it's acquired, not properly training the consciousness to to hold space as a container for such wealth or not even, it, could, it doesn't have to necessarily be wealth. It's just the things, let's say you have a perfect uh, marriage, you married your high school sweetheart and then things start coming up, right? I've known this person all my life and things are good, things come up and I'm okay. But when things really come up, when you question the validity of what you felt, of what logically has come to be your relationship, if in fact you've acquired the millions and got the car and got the the condo or the house or the boat or you take the trips and yet you still feel your soul yearning, you still feel the thirst and hunger for something more that's not being met, that can be even worse than, let's say, not having the love, not having the wealth and thirsting for it. It's the reasoning behind it. What's the reason that we want a committed relationship that we want to feel safe in love well it's so that we can be ourselves but most of the time most people do a lot of the qualifying because they themselves don't know what their purpose is or know what they want they want specific conditions to be met so that they can then make up their mind then seek it out and find it within themselves oh well, I'll, I'll be fine I'll be, I'll be content once this and this and this and this happens and then when that happens they go Jesus, like this is here, and yet I still feel that that need. I still feel that that hole. The air is blowing through; it's whistling in my ears every time I take my trips, and I'm not happy. When I'm with my woman, and I'm not happy. And I got my husband, and I'm not happy. Right, right. When I'm I'm taken care of, but I'm not happy. Like you're in paradise, but it's a little too cold. <laughs> you know, living in Miami, I hear that a lot. You know, like oh, it's so cold. Oh God, I can't believe what's happening. Jeez, this, why is it cold? Oh, or it's hot. Oh God, it's hot. It's so humid. Oh my God, like I can't believe this. Like, well, seriously? Like seriously, like are we so bipolar as a society that we can, when we get what we want, we're just go the opposite way. We were addicted to complaining because we haven't had time with the divine. We haven't had time dipped in source. So the power of ritualism gives us an opportunity to rinse off these illusions and they're necessary ones to a certain extent in regards to functioning in the physical realm. We want relationship. We want sustenance and stability. These things help us relax and figure out our human existence, the purpose in which we've incarnated. We want these things. 
and yet we're at that same level of physicality, we're at that same level of material, trying, literally trying <laughs> to achieve, trying to find what's always with us. You have that light, you have that flame of divine presence. However, it's step by step by step that we court the divine. It's step by step by step that we come back to love, back to who we are. We immerse ourselves in the silence. We immerse ourselves in mantra. We immerse ourselves in breath. We immerse ourselves in kriya or vinyasa. Right? We immerse ourselves in an action. And then we have some stillness. And we can feel that. We can sense that pervading force that's saturating everything in us and through us. And we feel alive. We feel satisfied. We're drinking from the divine fount. Now we have process. Now we have a practice, right? That gives us these steps toward that unseen subjective reality. That's arms are always open for us. However, it's waiting for us to utilize our intelligence, our intuitive, <clears throat> excuse me, intelligence to guide us back. So forming a ritual in your life. And we can now say doing a practice, having a routine that's done consciously. We can call it ritual. Routine that's done consciously. That's done with an intent. You sit down. You do a practice, let's say I give you a practice, it's 15 minutes because you don't have 30 in the mornings. You just got 15 minutes, but that ritual of getting up, doing your shaking, right? Doing your stretch pose, doing your breath work, doing your mantra, then starting your day is tapping in, it's shaking up, it's waking up that unseen aspect of who you are that may know the answer to why you're not having good relations with your boss, that may have the breakthrough moments for you and your love relationship, things that will give you, give you a better um, understanding and deeper uh, insight into what's going on with that love relationship, how to connect with the person, right? How to acquire even the wealth that you're looking for, the idea to break through on your product or service. These things are held in an intangible state. They're ideas, they're beliefs. So what other way then ritualistically do we approach these things? It's like you're going to do a cleanse. You do a seven-day cleanse. You're going to start drinking this. You're going to add these things, take these things out. And you're going to do these things every single day. That's a juicing ritual. I'm going to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to do cardio. I'm going to do weights. Plyometrics. You know, that's the step. These are rituals that you adopt. I'm going to do my artist way, let's say doing the artist way, a book about um, accessing that creative aspect of who you are. There's rituals that are assigned. Taking yourself out on dates and journaling every morning, those are rituals. So when we change the framework of which how, how we see our practice, and, I, and I, I'm, the reason for this, I think, more importantly than anything, especially like defining what that is, is to impress upon you the importance of a spiritual practice, of having a meditation or a ritual or set of actions you do consciously for an intention that you set. You want to have more mental ease. You want to get rid of this anxiety, this gnawing at your mind 
needing to solve all these problems, this heartache of a lost loved one or someone that is no longer in your life, you want to replace that with something powerful. You're searching for it in, in a lot of different ways, more likely. However, having a practice that helps you have clarity that deepens your understanding by having more access to who and what you are on an unseen level is the power of a ritual. It gives you the wealth of understanding. It helps you learn how to tap into joy and happiness, which is important. These practices or rituals are the groundwork and foundation of spiritual advancement of human evolution. We have to have things that give us an opportunity to expand who we are, to expand our hearts and minds, so that our bodies can be like the filaments that the light shines through. What wattage you are will depend on the ritual and the consistency in which you keep up your, let's say, software. Your hardware is clean. You polish your brass. You oil your car. Put water in that bad boy so the radiator doesn't explode. You tend to your flowers, fertilizers. You know, all these different, like all the different rituals in which we cathect or which we give love and care for things. It's the same thing with us, but yet it's the most foreign to us as well. We feel guilty for our self-care um, sometimes. And rituals help us just reestablish the importance of it because they invoke the feeling of, yes, like this, oh God, this feeling here, this peace, this deep sense of ease, yes, this is it. The ritual is a stairway up or down, up to the heights of who we are, or sometimes if it's a negative ritual, down to the, the depths of who we've become, or we're being told we are, like all the different aspects of that game. Rituals are a part of that, and we're acting them out, and we're going through them. So if we can plant consciousness and intention into them, a smoker can become a great yogi. A killer can become a saver, a, uh, a prophet. You know, that's, that's in the Bible, like uh, all the books. There's all these, these nefarious types of personalities that have transformed through alchemy of experience and come back with enlightenment or come back with deep, deep wisdom from the well of being have had to go through and adopt rituals that give them an opportunity to reset and to see with clarity what's in front of them. So I invite you to create new rituals in your life and understand the purpose of why we practice. If you do practice for 40 days, you know, 120 days, this is a ritual that you're establishing in your life to override habitual rituals, right? <laughs> habitual rituals. That sounds like a song. That we that 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 we have within our psyche that are probably not at our highest um, intention. So we reestablish our intention, and we use the methods in which we've probably blocked off our good to really go deeper and establish the truth of who we are. That we are this love, peace, and light. We are love, faith, and hope, and that we have given way for love, wisdom, and truth in our lives. We can reestablish it, so don't ever think that you're too far gone. 
please, please, if I can impart anything upon you. If you try to start something, you try to start a new ritual, you want to get it going and it's falling off and keep having to restart, keep going until it's done. Don't try to meditate. Just fucking meditate. Don't try to do yoga. Just fucking do yoga. And if you have a hard time sitting still, right, don't fucking try to sit still. Do something active. Get your body relaxed and then sit still and be in silence. Create ritual. If you have any issues with that, go to my website, eugeniusyoga.com. I give you a free 15-minute meditation. Let that be your framework, right? So I love you. Establish powerful rituals like I'm doing with these podcasts. (laughs) And I hope you've been served and gained something from this. Until next time. God bless. Thank you for listening to Soul Talk with Eugene Gann, the Yogi Exec. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at S-O-L-M-A-N, Eugenius.Soul on Facebook. Please subscribe and get that free PDF and audio meditation.